Well, good morning. Fishing is a game of temptation. I, uh, when I go fishing, I always try to think through what is going to be the most tempting thing that I can put on the end of my line. And right now I've got on there a plastic yellow fake fish. Is anybody tempted? <laughs> anybody want to bite it? No, right? But I, but I practice the craft of figuring out what's going to be the thing based on the fish I'm trying to get that I'm going to put on the end of this line. I'm going to take it to the right place, the right depth, and move it in just the right way so that in this particular thing that it infuriates a bass and tempts that bass to just pounce on what seems to be a smaller and weaker fish. But what else is on there besides that beautiful, tempting fake fish? There's some pretty nasty hooks. Anybody ever got one of these hooks stuck in them? Pretty much anybody who's ever gone fishing, right? This has happened. So there's some nasty uh, hooks on the end of that. And so what I'm doing is I'm putting a deadly temptation in front of that fish. Now, if on that particular day, the fish is not digging the yellow fake fish for temptation, I have tackle boxes full of temptations. It doesn't want the yellow fake fish, that's okay. I have a red fake fish. I have a white, now I'm going to stab myself with that one. I have fake squids. I have fake whatever these things are. I have, you know, pink spinny things. I have all kinds of temptations. And if they don't want to eat those things, I have lots of smelly, smelly bait that I can put on the end, all trying to figure out what is going to be the thing that tempts that fish to pounce, only to grab my hook. So one time I went camping with my family in the year 2008, and uh, at that time my family was, uh, was my wife and uh, my daughter Hannah. I think uh, we, were, we were great with child with Peter on the way, and uh, my dog Toby, who's still with us. No? Oh, we were pregnant with, no, she was a baby. And Peter was not yet a twinkle in my eye. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for helping me with my math. The point of the story <laughs> remains. <laughs> I had my dog with me one morning. We're up at, up at Mammoth Lakes, about 9,000 feet camping. And I, I get up real early one morning, take my dog and my fishing pole. So this is my dog, Toby. I think you see a picture of him. I keep this in my office. Now, he's still with me. He's still like, I think he's like 15 and a half. Is that right? He's 15 and a half. So when he's young at Mammoth Lakes, I go out and I rent a fishing boat and I'm, I start up the engine and I go out into the lake and I'm like, this is the life. This is like going to be the perfect day. I'm out early. It's quiet waters. I've got my, my pole full of temptation. I've got my dog with me and out we go. And I look back at my dog like, Toby, isn't this great? And I look at him and there's something coming out of his mouth. It's like a, like a fishing line coming out of his mouth. I'm like, Toby, get, get, get that. And I pull it. And it, and it, and it sticks. And I, uh, I get a little worried. I'm holding that line and it's definitely going down, down his throat. And uh, 
So I, it's the end of that particular fishing trip. I turn the boat around and, I, and I'm holding the line and I, and I don't know what to do. And I, 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 I pack everything up and I, and I get him into the car and I drive to a veterinarian still holding this line coming out of my dog's mouth. And he's kind of, you know, freaking out a little bit. We go in and we get an x-ray. Let's see if we can pull out the x-ray. So I don't know if you, can you see anything there? This, I still have it to this day here. Do you see anything of interest there? Do we have a zoomed in, uh, if we can zoom in on it? Do you see that? That, my friends, is called a treble hook. The same thing I have right here. It's three hooks in one, like an unholy trinity, okay? That is three hooks with barbs also. Each hook has its own barb, and it's lodged into his stomach wall, okay? Somehow the temptation... Somebody had left on the bottom of the fishing boat that I rented, they had left a treble hook with a temptation on it. I don't know what it was, some kind of bait or, or piece of shrimp or, or a little piece of fish or something that they had left on there. The temptation meant for a fish tempted my dog and my dog ate it, thinking, ha ha, I've got something tasty to eat, right? But little did he know that that thing that he was eating was now catching him stuck on his stomach wall. Okay. So the first veterinarian uh, tells us, okay, well, here's, here's, the, here's the cheap idea. Um, take cotton balls, soak them in dog food gravy, and feed it to the dog, and maybe it will catch the hook and pull it through safely through his intestines. So I spent the next five, six days my job was to do that and then to, and then to collect his, his poop in a Ziploc bag and dig through it looking, looking for the hook. I spent a week digging through poop, okay? A moment of temptation for my dog left me with a week of digging through poop. It didn't work. It didn't work. So then we took him to another more expensive veterinarian and had to pay that veterinarian to put a scope down his throat into his stomach with tools to cut apart that hook to save my dog's life. And that very cheap rescue dog suddenly became very expensive. A moment of temptation, a thousand dollars worth of regrets. But fishing is a game of temptation in which something is placed on a hook and that fish, or in this case a dog, thinks it's catching something when actually that thing is catching it. Today's topic is about temptation and we're going we're gonna to dive into various temptations that we face to sin. And before we do, I just want to acknowledge that as we think about temptation, this may bring up some feelings of guilt and shame within you. Because as we think about mistakes that we've made in our life, it's impossible not to feel those things. And so I just want to, at the outset, remind you, before we even dive into this topic of temptation, the scriptures on temptation, I want to remind you that this is a house of grace. This is a house of of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life so that we might be forgiven of our sins. 
This is a house led by the Holy Spirit, the gift of God that comes and indwells us and allows us to live a renewed life. And so I don't want us to overcome, as we go into the Old Testament descriptions of, of temptation, how to overcome them, we're going to learn from that. I just, I just want to hold in mind the New Testament promises of, of grace and the power of the Spirit. Okay, so let's, let's hold on and remember that. But what can we learn from the Old Testament here? What can we learn from the Proverbs? The Proverbs written before the New Testament, before that promise of grace and before the coming of the Holy Spirit, what did they have accessible to them? And they had the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God as a tool with which to fight temptation. And those of us who know the Lord and have grace and have the Spirit, we do not lack or lose the wisdom of God. We want to grow into that. So the question that we're asking today specifically is in the book of Proverbs, that book of the wisdom of God, what can we learn from the wisdom of God about how to fight temptation with wisdom? And there's two primary temptations that we're looking at in the book of Proverbs, two primary temptations that come up over and over again in the Proverbs, and that is greed and lust. Greed and lust. Let's start with greed. Greed is the desire to find pleasure in things. And greed leads us to temptations like lying and cheating and stealing and violence. These are sins that all stem from valuing a thing more than a person. From valuing a thing that you might take from a person more than that person themselves. Greed makes us compromise our relationships with people in order to acquire pleasure through things. So for example, if I was to value your wallet more than I value your life, I might be tempted to steal from you or to lie and cheat you or to do violence against you because I value that wallet more than I value you. This is how greed works. This is how greed corrupts us. And Proverbs open with a warning, like a, like a warning from parents to their children saying, don't, don't fall for this temptation. And if people come to you and, and try, to, try to wave this kind of temptation in front of you, hey, come with us, get pleasure through the taking of things from others, don't fall for it. We see this in Proverbs 1, verse 10. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, Let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us and we will all share the loot. It's a temptation that comes, over, uh, comes across many times in the, the book of Proverbs, this temptation to, to ambush, to theft. And, and maybe you don't get that exact literal temptation every day, but you probably face temptation to take in some way something that's not rightfully yours. Sometimes we are tempted to cheat a company to acquire a thing. 
Some people are tempted to cheat on taxes, to fudge numbers a little bit, to tell yourself, it's not wrong if everybody does it. It's not wrong if I don't get caught. You might be tempted to overcharge a customer to commit, but minor frauds like this lead to major ones. And every time we, we cut a corner or we tell a little lie or we, we just cheat or fudge a number in some little way or we, we do some sort of what we think is some kind of harmless internet piracy, sharing a password with a friend we shouldn't, we're planting little seeds in our hearts that grow into a forest of bad choices. And the sages say, don't walk that road. Those little compromises of integrity in which you value a thing or a dollar more than a person, they grow up to be a great problem in your heart and life, and they have consequences. The other major uh, category of temptation is lust. And lust leads to sin, sins like adultery, breaking faith with your spouse. Greed leads you to break faith with a neighbor. Lust might lead you to break faith with your spouse, and they're related. You could think of lust as a form of greed, like a sexual greed. Or you could think of greed as a form of lust, lust for material things. We're warned against lust in the book of Proverbs with this personification of lust in the form of an adulterous woman calling out to your heart. Now, I just want to be clear, when you sometimes see personification of it as greed as from a man or lust as coming from a woman, those are, those are not supposed to be gender-specific. These apply to all of us. But here's this voice of this adulterous woman calling out. Chapter 7, verse 15. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come. Let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone away on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money. He will not be back till full moon. And with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once he followed her like an ox going to slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. How many people have we known or seen on TV or read about on the news whose lives have been destroyed in this way? Some moment of giving in to some lustful pursuit and their whole life blows up. Continues on in verse 24. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims that she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Notice that. It doesn't say her slain are the weak and easily tempted ones. It says her slain are a mighty, mighty throng. 
She targets and takes down the strong. No one is immune. A host of mighty men have been taken down in this way. Verse 27, her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. This is a metaphor for the path that destroys so many. And I want you to note that these words were not written in 2022. These words were written 3,000 years ago, in which the sages at their time we're making the same observations about the patterns of humanity that we can see all around us today. People biting on the same kinds of temptation and getting hooked and destroyed in the same way. Sometimes it only takes a moment of temptation to gain a lifetime of regrets. And if that's you and you carry a heavy Regret. I just want to remind you once again, you're in a house of grace. We find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, after we're washed clean by the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and leads us to a new life. You don't stand condemned. The Proverbs are not always looking backward in regret. They're not, they're not focused on that. They're focused on the next decision the next choice that you will make, will it be a better one? What's gonna happen to you next time? Will you learn? Will you learn from mistakes? Will you learn from wisdom? Will you learn from the word of God? Will you learn from the voice of the Spirit speaking to you? Will you learn and will you make a better choice next time? Because you can. So, how will we avoid swallowing that false fish with a hook in it. This is how to fight temptation with wisdom. Proverbs 2.12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong, and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. It's saying that wisdom is going to protect us from greed. And this next verse, you're going to see wisdom is going to protect us from lust. Verse 16. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. So the promise for us in the Proverbs is that somehow wisdom is going to help protect us from these deadly temptations which are just killing us, which we keep falling for, they keep hooking us. Like somehow wisdom is going to protect us. How? That's the question I want to ask for the rest of our study today. How is it? How does it work? How do, does wisdom protect us from these temptations? The first answer is this. Wisdom unmasks the lie. Wisdom unmasks the lie. When I go fishing, I'm essentially putting a lie on a hook. This is a real fish? Not very good. Uh, it looks real, I think. Uh, but uh, it's not a real fish. It's a, it's a lie. And even if I was to put a real fish on there, it would be a lie because that, that bigger fish is never going to enjoy that as a tasty meal. So I'm putting a lie on a hook. 
And that's a lot of what the temptations that come to us. Somehow they're dressed up and they, and they smell nice. They, they look like they're going to satisfy us, but they will destroy us. And wisdom helps to unmask it. We face a lot of temptation in the things we're tempted by. We chase false things believing that they have substance. And wisdom unmasks the lies we believe. Chapter 11, verse 22. This is one of those verses. You ready? Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Just kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Can you, can you say that, just that first part with me? It's like what? Let's say it again. It's like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Like a gold ring. We have an American proverb that's something like that. It's like putting lipstick on a, like, okay? This is what it's talking about. It's an ugly thing dressed up pretty. Like a gold ring in a pig's Snout. The Proverbs are suspicious of beauty, charm, and charisma. Beauty, charm, and charisma. But we love those things, don't we? Think about it. Beauty, charm, and charisma, like our whole entertainment industry, our whole advertising industry is based on our obsession with beauty, charm, and charisma. We're drawn, we're drawn to beautiful, charming, charismatic people. And if we see one on the cover of a magazine, we buy it. And companies hire them to, to, to be on commercials because they know if that beautiful, charming person is on TV, we will struggle to turn the channel because we'll be so enraptured by their beauty or their humor or their charm. But the Proverbs teach us to see through this facade. And it's the opposite of a scripture we're going to look at next week. Next week we're going to look at the, uh, the woman of noble character, which uh, says this, uh, 3130 in that. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, right? 11.22 that we're looking at today is the opposite. It's saying beauty without character is not a treasure. So this is the, the kind of thing that we can do. We can, I think we should memorize uh, this, this, this verse and, and we should be able to, to say it out. Next time we're, we're looking at a commercial or we're looking at a, some movie we're tempted to watch or, 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 or something that someone's trying to sell to us that's not really worth it, we should, we should point the screen and say, you know what that is? That's like a gold ring in a pig's snout. And the spell will be broken. And you will see it for what it truly is. I guarantee you before the day is up, you will see in front of your eyes many gold rings, and many pig's snouts. Chapter 5, verse 3. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Wisdom kind of functions like a, like a good old slap in the face. 
to knock some sense into us when we're being foolish. It says, hey, that's not a real fish. That's a fake fish. And it will destroy you. You fool. Wake up. Don't go there. And as we grow in wisdom, we begin to see the world as God sees us. So the first thing that I think wisdom does is it unmasks the lie that is not worthy of your pursuit. The next thing it does is wisdom helps us consider the consequences. Wisdom helps us consider the consequences. Most mistakes that we make, we are thinking about just this exact moment. What would be nice in this exact moment? Okay? When DJ and I robbed the worship team of the donuts, we were living in the now, baby. <laughs> and we weren't considering consequences. But wisdom helps us to think about the future, to consider where does this path lead? We might say to us in our, in our average life, we're thinking, you know what? <laughs> this path looks uh, fun and easy. I'm going to walk this way. But wisdom says, yeah, but that path walks off a cliff and allows us to sink a little bit farther ahead. Chapter 1, verse 15, this is the temptation to, of greed to go and take from people. One fifteen, My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Same thing that's happening when a bass goes after this. It's actually ambushing itself. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. It's a treasure with a hook in it. You think you're catching wonderful, something wonderful, but it's really, it's catching you. Same thing that happened to my dog. With whatever it is he ate, it caught him. And most people that I have counseled that have gotten stuck in some kind of destructive behavior, pornography, adultery, shady financial dealings, gambling, all of them have failed to properly consider the consequences of their actions when they first started. It just seemed fun and exciting at the beginning. And then later, it became deeply painful and destructive. And so Proverbs teach us, they unmask the lie, they teach us to consider the consequences. And the Proverbs teach us to run away from temptation. That's our plan. Run away. And it's counterintuitive for me, this idea of running away from anything, because I'm kind of obsessed with courage. I like movies about people being brave. I like to try to be brave myself. I mean, don't you love movies that are about 300 Spartan warriors standing against 100,000 Persian invaders? We think, how brave. But is it brave to stand firm and strong with a suit of armor, sword in hand, if your battle is against a wildfire? Maybe the wise and brave thing to do would be to run away. You have no ability to fight that wildfire. And the Proverbs say, just avoid that temptation. The best fight is to run. This is Proverbs 4, verse 14. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Just avoid it. Don't travel in it. 
turn from it and go on your way. Don't even step on the path that leads to a bad place. Just avoid the temptation altogether. The path leads to a bad place, so don't step on the first step of it. Just turn around, go your own way. In the case of the fishing metaphor, it'd be like, just swim to a different part of the pond. Just don't even hang out there where the hooks are. Because you're probably going to bite on something. Just go somewhere else. Back into this theme uh, of, of lust, the warning against the seducer, we see in 6, chapter 25, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Can you scoop fire onto your lap without it burning your clothes? No, it's going to burn you. For so many years, I was a college pastor in Davis, working with uh, students at UC Davis. And a lot of Christian uh, college students uh, that were dating someone would come and ask me. They, the question that they were always asking was, uh, how far is too far in a dating relationship? How much physical intimacy is okay? And their image in their minds was, uh, okay, if I do this, it's still pure and wonderful. And this is pure and wonderful. This is pure and wonderful. And then, oh, uh-oh, now I'm suddenly in sin. And they just wanted to know where exactly is the line so that I can do as much of it possibly before I've gone over the cliff. And we do the same thing with movies that we watch, don't we? Is it that bad? Is it that bad? Uh, You know? And we push and we push and we push. People do this in flirtations. Oh, they're just, I'm just harmless fun flirting with a married coworker. Is it really a problem? We push and we push, we push these lines. But Proverbs says it's like scooping hot coals onto our lap. It's just a stupid thing to do. It's going to burn us. And the danger far outweighs any perceived gain. In particular, it warns us against even any steps towards adultery, which just blows up families and lives. So how do we consistently make good choices when we face a world of things that are so absolutely tempting to us that they keep grabbing a hold of us? I just want to pose to you uh, a concept, and that is to, to fight temptation with home field advantage. Fight temptation with home field advantage. Go with me on this metaphor, and then I'll bring it back to concrete terms. But in sports, uh, the team that's playing at home usually has a really strong home field advantage. Actually, not true for the 49ers, (laughs) okay, who statistically over the last five years have a negative home field advantage. But put that out of your mind for a minute. Consider Lambeau Field, the Green Bay Packers. They play in the tundra. And they have the great advantage of they're used to practicing in the cold. Their bodies are adjusted. They live there. But other teams from, say, the Bay Area, from somewhere in California go there, and suddenly it's 5,000 degrees below zero. And teams from places like California panic, and it's struggle. Teams from all over the country go to such a place, 
And it's cold, and Green Bay has this massive home field advantage. People adjust to the weather there. There's another team called the Miami Dolphins on the southern tip of the United States. And look at that. They have strategically placed the shade on their sideline, the sun on the other team's sideline. It's very hot there, hot and humid. And teams from around the country go to somewhere like this. And you can see the Vikings uh, there who are from the north. It's over 120 degrees on their sideline, but a nice and cool 92 on the Miami side. And so they have a strong home field advantage. But teams come to the Bay Area and they're like, this is perfect weather. I can play here. Around here, there's a home field advantage for the Warriors. When the Warriors play, it's so loud in there, people cheering for the Warriors and cheering against the other team, that the Warriors get a home field advantage. They do better when they're playing at home and other teams don't want to come here because it's a hostile environment. Okay. So what can we learn about home field advantage as we think about how to live our lives in which we are tempted to things? In those same years when I was, uh, when I was pastoring college students uh, at UC Davis, I cannot tell you how many times uh, a college student came to me and said something like this. Pastor, pastor, I messed up. I mean, I really messed up. I fell into sin. I don't know what happened. One minute. I was hanging out with my girlfriend on her couch in a dark room with no one home at 2 a.m. And the next minute we were sinning. I don't know what happened. And I would say, you know what? I think I know what happened. <laughs> Could it be that what went wrong is that you were hanging out with an attractive person alone on a couch in a dark room at 2 a.m.? Could that have been where things went wrong? I'm like, really, what? I said, well, let's, let me give you another scenario. Let's say you're with the same person hanging out on a couch, but it's her parents' couch at 2 p.m. with the lights on and her parents in the room. Would you have made the same mistake? <laughs> no, I would never. I said, aha, I think we know how to win in the future. Maybe you should date this girl with home field advantage and spend time with her and invest in her and, and, and build this relationship in environments in which you are probably going to be successful and avoid the environments in which you are probably going to fail. The ball game is the environment. Managing our environments and our situations may be the strongest tool that we have to overcome temptations. Alcoholics know that they should not hang out in bars. Gambling addicts know they should not hang out in casinos. Pornography addicts should know that they should not have unfiltered, unaccountable access to the internet. Because in those environments, you will probably fail. But in other environments, with the right support around, you will probably succeed. So I want to introduce you to just a few resources that I've come upon that, that I think is part of this home field advantage strategy. The first one is something called Covenant Eyes. For anyone here that might be struggling with pornography, this is a thing that is just ravaging our nation. 
and, uh, and so many people are struggling with this. This is, there's a lot of resources like this, but this is one. Uh, Covenant Eyes is something that you can uh, sign up for that uh, gives you both a filter and, and connects you uh, with, a, with a friend. And it's, this, it's a strategy of a, of a filter uh, and, and a friend in which uh, someone that you trust, someone that you, that, that, that can be that accountable relationship for you and just gives them a report of if you disable the filter or if you go to any kind of bad websites, there's someone who can lovingly and with grace help you get back on track. And people uh, give a lot of testimony to like, you know, I finally have victory, the combination of a filter and a friend with this, with this uh, service has finally given me victory. Uh, here's another note to, uh, to, to parents. This is something uh, that we've discovered that's super helpful. This is uh, a resource called Custodio. It's spelled like Q-U, a Custodio. And this is something that I recommend for any parents to, to put on, your, um, on all your devices that you have at home. And it puts filters that helps protect your kids from what are they going to be looking at and gives reports to the parents about any kind of uh, sites that, that you go to that are compromising places. And it gives you a more sense of control and of accountability. I recommend this. Here's another one. Uh, this is something a lot of uh, um, you know, kids get just addicted to their phones. Anybody ever heard of that problem in America? Anybody? Did you know, this is something called uh, a gab phone. Uh, this is, did you know you can get a phone that's not that smart? Like it's, it's like smart in the good ways, you know, it can have a camera, it can call and text and all the things that are, that are good things to do while avoiding the bad things and avoiding some of the, some of the problems and things like that. And there's, there's actually resources out there that you can use to strategically protect your family, whether it's Covenant Eyes or Custodio or Gab Phone or many other things that you might, that you might discover. And these are all ways of just building a home field advantage for you and for your family that you might have a better chance of, of living out the wisdom of God and overcoming temptation. Other resources, you know, accountability, there's, there's Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, there's versions for sex addicts, there's Christian versions, Celebrate Recovery. These are all groups in which you can gather with other people and talk about the challenges. Again, it's building in fellowship and accountability and home field advantage. So the Proverbs unmasks, the lie. They help us to think about the consequences. They teach us to run away and fight on better ground. And then finally this, the Proverbs teach us to cherish what we do have. To cherish what we do have. Greed and lust are built on this. The grass is always greener on the other side. I will finally be happy and satisfied if only I had this thing that's just out of my reach. The thing that I don't have is a thing that will finally make me happy or numb my sadness. My house and my phone and my car are too old. If only I have that new version. My spouse has faults. If only I had that other person that has no faults, then, alas, I will be happy. Proverbs says, cherish what you do have, cherish what God has given you. This next passage is for those of us that are married, telling us, cherish your own spouse rather than running off for something else. This is chapter 5, verse 15. This is our last scripture today. Drink water. This is a, a metaphor about loving and cherishing your spouse. 
Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water out in the public uh, squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. And may your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer, and now it abandons the metaphor entirely, (laughs) and may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. As a pastor, I, I spend time with couples who are struggling in their marriage. And I cannot tell you how many times uh, a couple has reached out to me on the moment on the brink of divorce where they've been struggling silently with something for, for a decade and they're just, they're, just, they're just in the process of giving up. I just want to implore you to seek help earlier. Seek help earlier. Seek help before you've exhausted all your patience, before you've exhausted all your moments of forgiveness and trust. Seek help earlier. Invest in your relationship. I encourage you, don't don't wait till you're on the brink of divorce or till you've already gone over the edge with adultery or something like that before you would reach out for counseling. Find a marriage counselor, therapist, the day you get engaged and meet with them forever, okay? (laughs) Or until you run out of money and then save up and then do it again, (laughs) okay? Go on dates, not just while you're dating trying to get them to say I do. Keep going on dates. Invest in your relationship. Listen to each other. Tend to your own well. Do not go chasing another well. Cherish what God has given you. And if you do that, you'll be far, far less likely to swallow the fake fish. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we all come before you. We confess that we have all been foolish. Lord, you know I have been foolish. And you know the foolishness of everyone in this room. And you know our mistakes. And we thank you for your mercy and your grace, oh God. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit, which just comes in and empowers us to make choices we're not able to make on our own. Lord, we just pray that you'd help this wisdom to sink, sink deep within us. Lord, free us from these things which have caused havoc in our lives, God. Help us to follow you and to love you and to trust you. Lord, unmask the lies before us. And may we live lives that glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us in uh, worship today. Thank you for being here. Uh, Those of you in person, everyone who's online, uh, your presence matters to us. And uh, you're encouraging to the people around you by being here. And we're uh, we're so grateful for you. Uh, I just want to remind you, if any of you uh, would like prayer, we have a prayer team that, that uh, meets right down here, and they can pray with you about anything. I, I, I think probably for some of you, uh, some things came up this week, uh, some temptations that you're dealing with, and they could pray for you, and they keep it in confidence, and you could just go to them and say, hey, here's my thing. Please pray for me. Uh, so that's right over here. 
If anybody is, is new or new-ish, uh, I'd love to show you around. So over here we have, uh, I'll gather with you, and I'll take you on a tour of the, of the area, introduce you to some friends of mine. I'll feed you along the way. Every, every five or six minutes we move to a new place, and it's kind of just a fun time. We can learn more about the church and get to know each other. So if you're, if you're new or new-ish, uh, meet me down here. I'll, I'll, take, you, I'll take you around and, uh, and, and show you around. Uh, if any of you are really tempted to steal donuts from the worship uh, team, they're, they're in there. Here, I received this with this blessing, this benediction. May the God of all wisdom make you wise. May the God who already knows what you struggle with make you free. May he give you people to talk to. May he impart his grace to you. May you know his forgiveness. May you know the Holy Spirit power breaking you free of addictions and of bad choices and of bad habits and leading you in to a life of freedom and grace and wisdom. And may he teach you to spit all the fake fish and worms out of your mouth and live for greater things. God bless you.